0: This is a podcast from the Queen City Podcast Network.
1: Hello, everyone. My name is Logan, and that of course means you are listening to another episode of the Crown Cast. And uh, we went out. We uh, continued our dominance in the League's Cup. I think it's now safe to say that we are the best football team ever again and we're going to win all of the things again and i will continue to believe that firmly until one of these fine gentlemen tells me otherwise i am joined today by my regular co-host ewan hello ewan
2: hello i won't be the one to tell you so uh yeah
0: exactly (laughs) spot on
1: (laughs) well that means that it is up to jerson hello jerson
0: how are you doing today you doing good
1: i am i'm doing well but Mm -hmm. i do have to say i've done the dumb so I have, I regularly get foodstuffs delivered to my house because I, I like to cook sometimes. Uh, sometimes they even do it well. And I get meat delivered and it comes in packaging with dry ice in it. And I'm, I'm pretty careful, you know, I always put, put a big thermal glove on so I don't touch the dry ice. And today I picked it up with the thermal glove and one of the bags ripped and a piece of dry ice fell out. And my brain was like, the first thing I should do is catch this dry ice with my bare hand. Uh, so, regardless, not a great idea. Not, not my best work. Uh, but I do think I'm okay. So, so, we take that. Because not an ideal way to spend your, your Wednesday, but uh, no real frostbite. Uh, we take Whoa. that as a...
0: <laughs> man... I was expecting yep.
1: like a oh you know, good day over here. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean we gotta well, we gotta keep it I'm real. Glad
0: you're doing, I'm glad you're doing good, you know. <laughs> at least you know this is a learning lesson. Um, just like you should learn about how our team is not the best in the world right now, but I digress.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh darn it, you're the one who would tell tell me. Um I think I think that we should hop into really quick. Um we do go out and uh, we play Nakasha. We get a 4-1 victory. I think that there's going to be a little bit of sour feelings uh, on the side of the uh, Liga and Mechies team, that they only got one. I think that Charlotte FC fans will feel a little bit sour. We let them have one. Uh, the goals, as a general rule, are kind of up in the air. We have two VAR calls back to back. And I'm going to go on record really quick and say, I think the first one is correct. I think that there is a, a player who Drags two other players down in the box and creates the ability to, to make that chance possible. That is an illegal play. It should be called back. Uh, Ewan, how do you feel about this first one?
2: Um, yeah, the first one is uh, it's a typical VAR one, in my opinion, in the fact that the goal is, is ruled out and it goes, it, you know, it obviously goes through the, the standard VAR check and VAR confirms that no, it's not a goal. But if it was given as a goal on the field, the referee gives the goal, doesn't give the foul, Charlotte players go complain, like, where's VAR? And the VAR check happens. I think the same thing happens in terms of the goal stands. I think that sometimes happens in football, whereby it's such a, you know, it's a hard decision to get right. It's very, you know, nitpicky. So they just say, I oh, we'll go with the decision on the field. So, yeah, I think the referee giving the decision on the field as this being a foul, with a pretty good view of it, he's right by the action. Uh, I think VAR just said, yeah, we'll, we'll stick with the decision there. So, that's kind of my thoughts on it. And I also think that it probably, probably isn't a foul given what happens at set pieces standard. <laughs> um, <laughs> there's a lot of stuff that goes on and it's just a case of someone might go down during it. Someone might stay up and uh, yeah, we had the right idea to, to go down, try and force the, uh, force the decision from the ref. And yeah, his decision was upheld and that just seems to be how it goes sometimes with, uh, with VAR.
1: So we are a little bit on the opposite sides because I do think that that one probably should have rightly been called off. The next one, however, I have some some issue with, and that is uh, Nakasha scores another goal seconds after this. And really what happens is the ball bounces around in the box. And eventually this gets called off for goalie interference. But I don't know what I would expect that player to do. I don't know in that situation how you can look at that player and say, you know, you were interfering with the keeper. I think there's a point at which if the ball bounces around in your six yard box multiple times for a while, that's your fault for not getting the ball out. So in this one, I feel like it was a little bit harsh. Don't get me wrong. I was glad that it was not given because Charlotte FC clearly benefit. But uh, Jerson, what do you think about this one?
0: I think, Obviously, we're going back to the same mentality that obviously we're happy that it was called off. But I think that there things like that, especially when you get two calls like that in a row, probably sparked a lot more anger towards this um, Mexican team. That as the game kept going, you know, we saw it. It was evident that they were not happy with the results. I, I definitely think that this one should have been counted as a goal, um, and I'm. I also agree with with Ewan um, about the first one too. I do think that that maybe could have been a goal as well, but nonetheless, both of them were were called off. Man, I, I think it should have been a goal. With all mm-hmm. honesty, no, no, no going around it. I think it should have been a goal, but we can't focus on that now because the outcome is there. You, there's always the, the conversations about what could have been, right? Like, what if they would have scored that goal? Maybe the, the the tempo of the game would have been a whole different thing. The outcome would have been different. Oh, well, that, that's not what happened, and here we are, you know? So okay, I could think it... it oh, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead.
1: No, I think it, it benefits from the fact that ultimately, based on the final scoreline, it didn't matter. You know, mm-hmm. had those two goals stood, there's always the argument that Charlotte FC scored four anyway, so it doesn't matter. But the the truth is Charlotte FC get kind of let off the hook here for some Mm -hmm. bad defending because if those goals go in, we talk about game state all the time and game state changes, right? Charlotte FC down two goals is a much different proposition than Charlotte FC up three goals. I think that we have three before they score their one. Mm -hmm. So, no, they score their one at the very end. So... That, you know, that game state being allowed to remain neutral, I definitely think goes a a big way in Charlotte FC's favor. And I don't think it can be overlooked. I do think we can say thank you because I think Charlotte FC needed the win and needed some very good goals. I want to talk about uh, BB13 scoring. And I also want to briefly touch on Arfield's goal. Because when we talk about Charlotte FC in the game that we want to play as a team, this is it. This is the example of how this team is supposed to work. If you go and you watch the highlights package for this game, the first goal is Jalen Lindsey pressing along with the rest of the team in a high press up in the offensive side of the pitch. Jalen picks the ball. Great pick by Jalen. Gets pushed out. There's a little bit of really good combination play. And that combination play leads to, uh, I'm going to use the term, a distraction that lets BB run in behind. It also required Carol Schwederski to do really just just brilliance with his touch and his pass through the line. Carol saw it. Carol was checking his shoulders. He saw the run coming. And he had the technical skill to hit that ball and pace it correctly. Because if he underhits or overhits that pass, it does not work. And then I think we had to talk just generally about BB, who, you know, Brant Bronico comes in and that's a striker's finish. Like that's a that is a established goal scorer's finish. It's calm, it's collected, it's beautiful. It puts Charlotte FC up 1. And we see the same sort of general sphere of how foot or how this football is supposed to work from the arfield goal. This time it's BB13 who picks the ball. And while we don't quite have as many people pushed forward I think we start to see some of the the benefit of Scott Arfield. When we did a scouting on uh, Scott Arfield, we looked at him and he said, he's going to go where the danger is. Whether or not you can hit him is up to you, but he is going to go where the danger is. And he is alive. He's switched on. The moment the ball transition, he is up the field. He sees where the danger area is. And again... It's an absolutely beautiful control and a ball out to him from Carol Sroderski. Really, Carol, two assist. and just what I'm talking about and here in a moment. We're we're gonna go on to some other things uh, where where he does pretty okay in this game. I think that'd be fair to say. But for <laughs> Scott for Scott Arfield, I think it is a, a a special moment. I think it shows who he is as a player, and he had that rocket a couple games ago that gets chalked off. So you know, at that point in time, I said, "Can he use that as a springboard? Can he take this momentum and go?" It looks like yes, and it looks like that if Charlotte can get its system moving, can get people up there, can press effectively, it can work and it can score goals. Um, really quickly, I'm going to go to you, you, and thoughts on the BB13 goal or the Scott Arfield goal?
2: Yeah, like you mentioned, uh, there's there's some you know some similar themes in there in terms of the. Uh uh the, the counter press nature of them um the fact that it comes from that that pressure on the ball uh, just after a turnover um it, it's the it's the counter pressing stuff of which latanzio isn't a full on you know red bull uh, bible counter press coach but there are a lot of elements of his in his uh, in in the way that he has coached this team that have uh, little elements of that uh, the counter press being one of them the general press being one of them the fact that we play quite narrow being another one of them um and this is an example of that working really well some people maybe will see that and think that there's a bit of coincidence to it the fact that we win the ball in those areas but it's coached stuff it, it's coached aggression in terms of okay counter press wise we're all going to be up the field when we're attacking so it's a useful time to be aggressive in trying to win it back like no matter where you're on the field. If you find yourself near the ball as it's being progressed, then press it really aggressively. And if we win it back, we'll still have players at the field and they will be a little stretched because their full-backs will maybe be moving out. The midfield will be moving up the field, trying to anticipate a pass forward. So, yeah, it's a really, really useful way to create chances if, uh, if done correctly. And, uh, yeah, we get some good examples of that here in both of these goals. So, yeah, also also accommodated with a really, really nice pass from Spinersky for the first uh, goal to Bram Bronico. It's a really really nice pass and a really really nice finish. So, yeah, not just the counter press working, but that was a really really neat and tidy goal. I thought.
1: Well, I'm going to get you to stay on Karol Szwederski, and do you want to talk to us about about his goal?
2: Yeah. yeah. uh goal obviously um connection between the uh the two Polish guys, uh Jozwiak and uh and Swederski. and this one it doesn't really come from build up. Um in terms of you know getting it right all the way from the goalkeeper through the defense to the midfield but you do get elements of you know building up in the attacking phase here which are encouraging um, cuz you get a combination uh, going through the midfield of i believe it's Westwood who plays it through originally uh, to is it is it just a Merriman on that left side i believe who gets that ball and then plays it through to Joseviak, who's making that making that run across the field uh, and then he's don't able
1: to have it in front of me but it sounds correct
2: yeah i believe it, it yeah i i believe so maron comes through uh, on the left side after receiving it from, uh, from 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 uh, westwood you get that kind of run coming through the center of the field from josvic which we don't often get um like i talk about before byline pressure that's what we got here players making runs to the byline um and yeah once he's in position it's a really good cross and this is encouraging from Sviderski because if there is a, a hole to be picked in his game, and obviously I've sung his praises many times, uh, it's it's the striker instinct stuff. Like I think his technical ability is very high, and I think in build up uh, when he drops a little deeper, he's very effective as well. But if there's one thing you would kind of give a knock uh, against him, it would be that instinct to kind of be a little you know fox in the box type striker. The stuff which Enzo Capetti is really good at that kind of thing of playing away from the ball. Uh, so if you're talking about the future of a Charlotte's number nine and kind of weighing the pros and cons, one of the cons of the Karos Svodersky option would be maybe, you know, not as great in the box, not as great as striker's instinct. And this was an example of a good striker's instinct, does well, one such finish, gets his foot on the ball and yeah, uses, uh, yeah, uses, his, uh, uses the, the weight of the cross to just redirect it towards a goal. So yeah, encouraging signs from that one.
1: So I'm going to pop this over to you, Jerson. Anything you want to add on the the Carroll goal?
0: I think he I think he said it all.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much said it all. I will I will just I will just vaguely say I think Carroll's best touches are when it's waist high. I think for some reason whenever the ball is roughly waist high, he does magical things. He had that one at the end line that he uh, pulled back a couple games ago that we all went nuts after, but I'm gonna go uh, back to you, Jerson, because uh, Patrick Ogimong gets on the scoreboard again in this one. He's got a couple goals to his name now. You want to talk about how how he makes the really puts the final nail in this game?
0: I think that he's pretty impressive. Um, just be, I think one one of the things that's most impressive about him is the the calmness that he has whenever he is in the pitch. Um, and it shows with many goals that he has had, um, including the one um, this past Saturday. I think that there was a definitely a level of calmness. I'm not sure who exactly was the passer. Was it Lindsay? I'm not sure if you guys remember or not. Um,
1: I don't but, have it in the stats in front of me, so I'm pretty, pretty sure Saturday. it was Lindsay. Yeah, I think I think you're right. Yeah.
0: Well, I think that one he had the the right mentality and and composure to one stay within the line um you could see how he he was about to go but he just stopped for a little that little stop was what allowed him to be on side right if if any half any like centimeter millimeter whatever you want to say would have been off they would have been called off but there's sometimes just a little bit of instinct and uh, dare I say a little bit of luck in that one too because obviously he didn't see the player behind him but um there was a composure and a little bit of strength as well um, obviously, he didn't have the defender like bodying him, but one of the things about a player like him, he is six uh, four, which is incredibly tall for a striker. I believe um, he has a good, strong body. So, in other goals that he has had earlier in the season, he's been able to win those battles because of his um, strength. And that, that I feel like a lot of things, even like his maturity and the way that he is composing that field, it, it shows a lot and is reflected through his goals and also why. Um, he keeps getting called up to the team and get being subbed in. Um, I think that he's a player that future wise, you know, we're, we're going to be able to rely on him as, as he keeps growing as a player. Uh, But no, yeah, definitely just putting the the frosting on top of the cake. Um, It was, it was a really good, um, the way he finished it, very calm. And what what it would have been a beautiful ending um a nice little 4-0 ending right
1: oh but it was not to be i will i will just <laughs> just tack on to this i am starting to really like this guy i think he's mm-hmm. starting to show you talked about his calmness about his composure about the fact that even though he's quite young he he's starting to look like he belongs he's starting to to win and get in the physical battles mm-hmm. uh I, th- I think charlotte fc have a player i think it's a player who needs a lot of development. I don't think we can look at him and say, you're ready to be the guy. But I do think that there's there's a really special striker in there who has the the luck of the draw physical talents yep. that that can help him become so much more than, than just a, a high level of skill. He can also dominate the box. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm going to jump back to Ewan. And Ewan, unfortunately, Nakasha, do score a goal. I would like to forget about it, but we are going to talk very briefly. Do you want to tell me why this was a total fluke and it doesn't matter and Charlotte FC should just <laughs> pretend like we won four-0? Yeah well,
2: I mean it's a, it's a good finish. The, the finish that ends the, uh, that gets the goal is, is, is good, and <clears throat> obviously that's not the, uh, not the part of this which is more worrying. It's more the fact that you know Derek Jones, who's, who's come back from uh, dealing with a who's still coming back from dealing with an injury uh, and is often the reliable man in midfield who can kind of retain possession, is the guy who in this instance loses possession. Um, and it's funny because uh, the tackle here, um, on a lot of midfielders, I almost feel like it maybe gets given as a foul because on other midfielders who are not built like Derek Jones, the aggression with which the player goes into the tackle maybe looks a lot worse. Yep. Um than it does with Derek Jones, who is able to. He still ends up, uh, you know, down on the uh, on the turf, and uh, I think throughout the uh, the rest of the move, which ends up in the goal, he is still down. Um, so he he obviously still, you know, felt the effects of the aggression of the of the tackle. But yeah, it's a little bit of a a little bit of a case of the uh, the, the shakeries for any uh, basketball fans, where you, the the size of of the player almost works against him in terms of getting a call. Um, but, yeah, it was strange to see Derek Jones get dispossessed in that way because we're so used to players coming in and tackle him and watching them just bounce off of him. Um, yep. So, yeah, we've kind of, um, you know, alluding to when we had Ben Bender on the pod and we talked about how hard it was to uh, to get to get him off the ball. It turns out the way to get him off the ball is to have a 10-yard run-up and aggressively <laughs> <laughs> come at him as as, as, as full pelt and full aggression as possible. And then, yeah, you can get the ball off Derek Jones. So we finally had that myth busted, uh, I suppose.
1: <laughs> it, it can be done. I love that you're like, well, you know, if you hit, I don't know, a carton of milk with a baseball bat, <laughs> it looks way worse than if you hit a brick wall. And it, you're kind of right. Like, this is what happens. Derek Jones is such a big human being. The impact doesn't look that bad on him. I, I do think... I get the rare opportunity to point out a really bad mistake and use it as a way to highlight an incredible player. Because this is bad, you cannot lose the ball there. There are places in the pitch where you can lose the ball and there are places in the pitch where you have to keep it under control. 99.9999784453% of the time, Derrick Jones does not lose the ball. Derrick Jones does not lose the ball at, at all, much less in dangerous areas. No one is perfect, but this is a guy who, when he lost the ball there, I had to watch it like three times to confirm it was actually Derek Jones. Keep in mind, there's well, right now I was going to say there's only one six foot nine monster on Charlotte FC, but now I think we're about to have three of them. So you know, um, (laughs) that there is only Derek Jones in that space, and he's he's not hard to miss. You know, you know who he is. And i still had to watch it back because it just never occurred to me even after it happened that Derek jones could lose the ball in that area and i I think that's a huge credit to Derek. i think it it shows his talents and obviously we don't want to do it again you cannot lose the ball in the open center of the field uh, directly ahead of your defense bad things happen but you know i think this is a bit of a fluke from him like you said it was a running head start and we're going to call that cheating it is also a really good finish (laughs) Jerson, uh, do you want to to do any any chatting on the Nakasha goal?
0: I feel like, although obviously the attack was, was fought on on Jones, I also feel like there could have been more from Kalina. I, I I'm just watching. I'm watching it now, like watching it now, mm-hmm. and I feel like he was just late, like he. He, he wasn't anticipating, he wasn't ready, so he threw himself too late in order for him to be able to catch that. Don't get me wrong, the shot was pretty powerful and pretty fast, but I don't know, I feel like there was a lot of space given to the player, and Kalina probably should have anticipated it a little better, just been more ready for it, because whenever, whenever you look back at it and you see the goal, it, it's almost like Kalina throws himself right about the, about the time that the ball's already passed him, And I'm not sure if you guys were able to catch that or not, or maybe it's just me. I'm, I'm like, I'm sitting here watching it right now again, and it just looks like he kicks it, and Kalina starts getting it as it's already by his, his side. When he could have, I mean, it could have been caught, I guess, or stopped is, is my, my you what think, I'm trying to get at, but.
1: You feel like he was flat-footed. Yes, Debra, there we go. And that that may very well be true. It's not something I really checked because the shot was so good. I didn't really check to see Mm -hmm. how how Kalina's reactions were. Um, But it's something to probably look back at and see whether, you know, as a keeper, you always have to assume people can shoot. And where he takes the shot from is incredible. It's an incredible shot. But I would like to see whether Kalina had kind of turned off in the moment and, and fired up the batteries a bit late. Yeah,
0: I mean, a lot of times you can, you, there's a lot of things that can go into it. It could even be like, oh, well, the game's almost over. Who really cares? I hope that's not the case. You know, nobody wants mm-hmm. it, that to be the case. But yeah, that's just from looking back at it, I feel like that's something that I caught. But other than that, what can I say? It was, a, it was an amazing goal. Yep.
1: Yeah. Uh, it, was, it was a very good goal. I am going to uh, sort of stick with you because the red card comes. For uh, Nakasha, and I am livid, I think it's the right way to say this. I despise this. There, if there's anything about this game that I despise, it is when a player gets up with the red mist in their eyes, and they say very clearly, I'm going to hurt somebody, and then they act on it. I don't care if you get up with the red mist on your eyes. I don't care if you storm towards somebody like you're going to hurt somebody, but... Uh, The the Nakasha player who gets the the red card. Forgive me, I I had it here in front of me and I've since lost it. But uh, he goes in with an intent to injure. No intention to play the ball. It's frustration, it's anger, and it comes out as a, I'm going to hurt someone. And in my opinion, there's no excuse for it. It's disgraceful. It's it's the worst thing you can do uh, in, in this game. And I think he's lucky to get away with just a red card. I think if he makes more solid contact on that flying high kick into uh, Charlotte FC players interior knee, it is it should potentially be worse than that. I don't know whether there is any real repercussion from this. Uh, Jerson, do you know?
0: Uh, As of as of right now, there hasn't been anything um, that has been said by the media on regards to this. I know earlier you and me were talking about other cases within the League's Cup where other players have been sanctioned, maybe a couple of matches. And the reality is that maybe if if the the, the player would have would have done more damage, maybe this would have been a a huge conversation that we're still talking about. Um, ultimately, uh, I think as a team we're pretty blessed at the fact that it wasn't anything serious. Obviously, at that moment we could have lost Sudersky and. We're talking about not having Suderski not having um copetti with us, you know like we're in in the in the last couple of key games, right so that's probably the last thing that we would have really needed at the moment, so we're pretty blessed in that regards that being said, nothing about the tackle was going for that ball you know like yeah. you can't even try to justify um that is it is it is it is one of those things in, in the game that it's sickening to watch. You know, like you're trying to I, I get the idea of just trying to stop the play, but there was this is not like a potential goal um play. It's just he clearly is frustrated, the whole team is frustrated, and as as I mentioned earlier, obviously they had two goals that were taken away. So I can I can understand it, but I'm not gonna justify it. That's yeah. what where I'm trying to get at. Um I if there is a further um, disciplinary uh, action taken. I I would be really interested to see what exactly is the classifications that we're going with. Is how how big of a ban are we talking about, or is it just going to be oh, just serve your red card, right? Yeah. Um, nonetheless, I'm I'm not sure. Are are they already out, they're out of the Leagues Cup now? Or are they are they still trying to
1: make uh, it? The they're out. So yeah. this, this is one of the reasons I say I really don't know that there is much sort yeah. of ramifications for this, because they're no longer in the event in which they would have received a penalty. And right. I don't think when you have international competition like this, these things transfer over to that player's regular career. So, it, I don't,
0: I don't know how it is here in, in, the, in I guess, North America. Because at least I know in South America, like, let's say that in South America and even Europe, I know that if we're talking about like the Champions League, right? an international competition, if there's a player that that got accumulated like yellow cards, he will serve it next season if they make it to the Champions League or any international um competition. That being said, I don't know how it's worked here, right? We're talking about the League's Cup. then we also have the Champions League or like like the North American Champions League or whatever it's called. Um, maybe I'm not sure if they transition into those two or not. who knows? Well.
1: Whether it's, it's something that is only played out in international competition, I do not mm-hmm. know. You and I, I'm going to go to you really quickly on this one and I, you can tell me whether or not I'm crazy because I have actually started to enjoy the little bit cynical, hey, you've beaten me but I'm not going to let you counter and you grab them by the back of the jersey and you very carefully set them down on the ground. Uh, I, I've actually come to say, you know what, the truth is at, at times that's the best play you can make but for me, there's such a big difference between I'm not going to let you play this ball, and I'm going to carefully bring you down, and what happens here. Am I am I overblowing this?
2: No, no, it's it's an awful challenge. I mean, um, you know, uh, Jason refers to the earlier part of that game where you get two goals disallowed, and then from there you've got a bit of a red mist going on. Um, I think in this, uh, I think in this moment, I believe the um, player's name is. That you're trying to refer to, whatever it? it is, Edgar Mendes. Yes, um, I think it, it, what happens uh, literally two or three seconds before this is he is tackled in an incident, which I think he feels a little bit aggrieved that he didn't get a free kick for. Um, so that that red mist descends, like you say. I think off the back of that, in a game where you're frustrated, three nil down at this stage, I believe, um, and, and yeah, you just out to out to injure someone, and it's an awful challenge. I mean. You said earlier you think that the best the best touches from Carol are waist high. I think he took this a bit too literally and tried to, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he tried to go for it. his
1: waist high levels. Well, yeah, um. it pretty it pretty much is, isn't it? So
2: yeah, there's there's no there's no defending this challenge. It's uh, yeah, it's absolutely awful, and yeah, maybe, um, maybe, Red maybe that's was why out straight away.
1: Maybe that's why Carol got away without any injury. Maybe he literally just physically trapped the Nakasha player, like he like he just trapped a a football, didn't even realize it wasn't a football. And then he was just like, oh, it's a it's a human being instead of a football. Wow. I don't know. It came at me waist high. Um, (laughs) I am I'm going to stick with you, Ewan, because we see a little bit of chaos in our midfield and everybody kind of has some some toss up roles here. Do you want to talk about uh, the captain, Westy?
2: Yeah, yeah, I think it's um, I think in this game, obviously, we win the game pretty comfortably, and as a result of that, the takeaways may be, oh, we've kind of we've landed on our lineup. And one of the things that we've landed on on our lineup, um, because you know Svedeski up front, the wingers, the defense, all pretty standard. The players in positions where you'd expect them to be, um, but it's Westwood playing a little bit deeper, uh, which maybe seems um, something which people would say, oh, this is something that we can go with long term. So just to kind of give a broad out- outlook of of what the midfield was. In possession, Westwood playing the deepest, picking the ball off the defenders. Bronico playing as a, as a connector, playing a little bit further forward, playing off that left side. And then Arfield playing the role that we'd mentioned a few weeks ago when we were scouting him. The Ben Bender role, playing the highest of the three, uh, trying to get into the final third like we see for his goal. Uh, trying to uh, have a box presence and, and, yeah, like I say, playing the most
1: advanced of the three.
2: So the, the takeaway from this might be, oh, you know, kind of figured it out. Westwood playing in the six. He's great on the ball, great in build-up. There we go. He he can play that role. And then obviously when Derek Jones is back fully, maybe we um, have him playing deep as well with him defensively out of possession. But in possession, Westwood can uh, can command the build-up. And I think of the options that we have, he could still be the best one to do that. But I do think that this maybe gives a little bit of false hope, potentially, in terms of him being good at that role, slash what I've said before, that I think he is a little bit wasted there because we'd rather have him further up the field. And the two points of that which you would say are, well, we won the game and the build-up was pretty good. So why don't we keep him there for build-up all the time? And I would say that the ball pressure wasn't great in this game uh, from the opposition. So it's almost like you're playing you're playing in the sixth row, but you're not playing it Properly because you're not having to deal with those tight areas as much, you're not having to play on the half turn and 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 scan as, as often as you'd have to because you are getting that time on the ball, so I think that gives it a little bit of a false impression of how it would be in m l s play to be playing the six, and the other side of it would be, okay, well, we still scored four goals in this game, so if you're saying that Westwood is being wasted by not playing further forward, bronico and and Arfield played further forward, each of them got a goal, so you know what's the issue there? Which I would say, just kind of generally, I'm not sure if, again, the opposition were a team that is a reliable sample of what we'll get in MLS play, as far as allowing space in the final third, in terms of being bad in possession build up. So our counter press was working a little better. All the elements of that, I think, and this is, yeah, this is maybe the most depressing thing that will be said uh, in the post match of this game from a Charlotte perspective. But maybe we don't have all the answers that we feel as if we may be doing in terms of how our midfield will be set up based off the result of the game.
1: So what you're telling me, Ewan, and I just want to make sure I'm perfectly clear here, is that a chess grandmaster can beat someone who's never played chess even if they don't play their absolute best game? <laughs>
2: Well, we are I'm, the best team in the world. I understand yeah, what you're we're getting at the there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. A, ch- a chess grandmaster giving up his uh, his queen and maybe a bishop on purpose can still win against a novice. That's what I'm okay. saying here, because we are obviously the grandmaster with a Magnus Carlsen of football. That goes without saying. But... I,
1: I, I would tend to agree. <laughs> I, I think you point out a really important thing here in that the the strength and the relative level of the opposition does matter. I also think that when you look at, at the way our field is set up, I I don't know that there's a better player for that role. We talked about it when he came in. We were like, hey, if this guy can do the defensive responsibilities, he is a fit for that six. And if he can't, he's going to be a fantastic sort of attacking slash eight. Yeah. But I do think the time is coming where we are going to see a transition into that box midfield. I swear I need I need to like, tap a bingo card or something. Every time I say box midfield, <laughs> yeah, um, 10 P in the jar, 10 cents in the jar, 10 cents in the jar. <laughs> in the, jar. Uh, the box midfield swear jar. I, I do think the time is coming that it is going to be Ashley Westwood for his distribution and his, his long range passing all yeah. alongside Derek Jones for the control. And he's going to have to pick yeah. it up. And I think we're going to have to, to give him the space and time yeah. to learn, but I think the reason I say that is headed in that direction is because of Scott Arfield. Again, we talked about this in the, uh, in the scouting of Scott Arfield. We talked about it a little bit earlier. Scott Arfield is a guy who sees dangerous spaces. I don't necessarily know that he's the type of guy who sees the play. <laughs>
2: Yeah, yeah. No, just just to just to be clear on this, when I talk about the midfield setup, we agree like I, I said that Scott Arfield, I feel like his role will be the role that we see Ben Bender play. I think Scott Arfield's exactly where he should be. My, my thing is more I think Westwood should be playing where Bronico's playing, and then it's a case of Bronico or or Derek Jones there. And ideally for me, I would want a better six in terms of what they can do on the ball. So yeah, agree with you, Scott Arfield exactly where he should be, playing his role fantastically. I'm talking about just the Westwood. Role in this game versus the Bronica role in this game and how they're allocated. Arfield, I- where he is, I agree. Yeah,
1: fantastic. So, the reason I think that we are going to end up holding, and Jerson, I'm going to let you get in on this in a minute. I know we're kind of going at it. Uh, the reason I think we're going to end up with him staying there is because him and Scott Arfield understand each other. Ashley Westwood sees the dangerous spaces. Scott Arfield sees the dangerous spaces. Scott Arfield will run into the dangerous spaces. Ashley Westwood will pass to the dangerous spaces. It is genuinely as simple as that. And one of the skills that Ashley Westwood possesses that I think Scott Arfield doesn't is Ashley tracks his team's markers well. He knows what his triggers are. He knows who needs help. He knows how to position so that he can be a release valve. And while I think he's got some defensive things he can learn, and I actually don't think he's that great on the turn, he has the passing range... He has the technical ability, and he will see the developing play and get to a position that he can be a release valve. And I don't think we have anyone else in Charlotte FC who does that. Uh, really quick, Jerson, do you think there's anybody else off the top of your head who fits sort of all of those qualities? No.
0: <laughs> yeah, <it's, laughs> no, <it's a> real... <laughs> there we go. As, as...
1: <laughs> really easy simple. answer. We
0: just, we just gotta, we just gotta let um, Jones take all the shots again from outside. I, I, he seems like he's really inspired recently. So I, I don't mind keeping a couple of free balls.
1: <laughs> so uh, as far as you're concerned, it's Brant Bronico, Jerson, uh, who, who takes the third slot in here does get a fantastic goal. I think shows that he can play that more forward role. Do you feel yeah. like that's where he's going to be? Or do you feel I like think, that's a stopgap?
0: Well, I feel like it makes sense just because as you and me both know, he's not like, a technically gifted midfielder, right? Whenever you think of midfield, you think somebody who's good with the ball in this fit um can see plays and, and all these different things. But as we know, like he's more of an engine rather than um, he rather than having that touch. So if if he's an engine, I guess if I were in the coach's shoes, I would look at it from that perspective too and say, okay, then I'm gonna use you where I think you're gonna either cause the most havoc, doesn't necessarily mean you're gonna be scoring the goals. Or you can score goals, just like he, how he did on Saturday. Um and what I mean like cause the most havoc is disrupt the order, right? Um his little his engine, his um his movements, his sporadic movements, maybe cause like a couple of different things over there in that in that defensive role. And if if it, if we're able to keep doing what we're doing, especially like have Sodarski playing the way that he's been doing, like, you know, like that was an amazing pass that he did. But Big shout out to to um, BB thirteen as well because that touch wasn't a a a regular touch. You know, like he he was calm and he ch- chipped it a little. No, he didn't chip it, but you, you get what I'm saying. Yes, um, he found,
1: he found the slot between the keeper's leg and the keeper's hand. Yeah. So, mm-hmm.
0: I mean, if 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 we see the results, um, why not keep doing it? But I think that that's something that needs to be tested in not an important games, right? Like I wouldn't want to, if we're, let's say we're, we're up to the wire last game of the season and we're playing against Miami and it's like, oh, we need this game to make it to the playoffs or we don't. Right. I wouldn't want to see it being done there. It's,
1: it's a nice thing to test out in a game that, I mean, I'll be honest. I think this one did matter because I think Charlotte FC having a good run in the league's cup could, could really bolster the team when not a lot is going well. But it is it's definitely one that when when the big chips are on the line, maybe you want to make sure has worked in other stuff first. I like yeah. that call out. Um, I am going to uh, stay with you, Jerson, because uh, Andre Shinoshiki is gone. Uh, you want to tell us about what happened? Well, I mean, I can. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, um, obviously, earlier this year, there were some allegations, so a lot of controversy came. Um, alongside that and then a a player just being completely shut out and taken apart from the team which rightfully so um obviously we're we as the fans were kind of left in the what happened area right but going just looking at to where where he ended up um right these are all assumptions all right regardless Mm -hmm. of what did what didn't happen obviously we don't know but you would think that he would probably end up somewhere
1: better, you know, Mm -hmm. like
0: we're, we're, I don't even know how to say this place. I'm I'm completely, you know how to say it?
1: No, he ends up in Azerbaijan and Azerbaijan. Okay. I, I do feel like a player of his quality, uh, Mm -hmm. certainly of his quality as a footballer, not his quality as a person. Uh, if, if there was no fire to this smoke, probably he washes his hands of Charlotte FC and mm-hmm. everybody says, look, all you need is a reset and he goes and he plays in Portugal or something. Yeah, um, he could go
0: anywhere, honestly, like
1: in Brazil,
0: anything like that.
1: Yeah, I, I I think the fact that one, the cutout from Charlotte F C was so swift and so clear. And then the fact that that he moves on uh and, and goes to Azerbaijan means they're there was probably some fire to that smoke. And as a result, I'm very happy for him to be gone. Uh, I think I'm going to leave it there. I don't don't think we need to push any further. Uh, We do have another player alongside Andres Nishiki who mutually uh, agreed that they should no longer be a part of the club. And that is Joseph Mora. And, by mutual agreement, I mean Charlotte FC said we don't want you anymore, and then they were like, "Yeah, actually, that sounds great. I I, I just realized I didn't want to be here either. So, so th- <laughs> this will be this will be a mutual parting. Uh, but that does mean Joseph Moore is gone. However, that leaves a left back hole in Charlotte FC. If you know we didn't already have a glaring black hole of empty void where there were no left backs, until now, Ewan. Go. Yeah,
2: the the big build up to the the big signing that people have been. Is it over a year now? People have been asking for a left back? I I feel like it has been.
1: I think we've been asking for a left back since this club started. (laughs) When they they first announced people, because one of the first ever signings was Adam Armour, we were like, yeah, we're going to have an interesting uh, young left back. And then he got injured. And since then, we've been like, what is going on with left back? (laughs)
2: <laughs> so yeah exactly it's been a long it's been a uh, something that's been discussed for a long time can Charlotte get a left back then we get another midfielder okay but can we get a left back get another midfielder sign someone else for the crown legacy and yeah it's been a thing for a long time but yeah now we have one um I believe it's pronounced uh Jerry Aronen uh, who is coming from uh from West in uh, in the Ligue 1 of France uh, and his most recent football played was uh, on loan at Schalke uh, in the second half of the 2022-23 season um yeah as as far as what i've uh, studied on the player which obviously this came out you know on the day of recording so not a lot of studying done but from what i've from what i watched and from what i know of the player very solid signing almost along the same lines as uh, Scott Arfield and uh Brecht, uh, the midfielder, as we agreed, that he shall be known until we get a confirmation on that on that surname pronunciation. Just really solid, experienced players that will immediately improve the starting lineup. I do think Aronin will immediately come in and start because he's a proven player in top five leagues in Europe, so that will uh, hold up well to the standard of MLS. I believe. And yeah, I think he's a left-back who suits the system that we'll want to play. He's comfortable on the ball. He's comfortable in build-up. He's comfortable uh, defending from deeper. So he'll be happy with the 3-2 build-up that we do where a full-back can tuck into that three. Or if they want him to invert, he should be comfortable with that because he is very competent in tight spaces of build-up. So yeah, we'll uh, maybe get into this a little bit more uh, another time or, or maybe after we see him play a few games for Charlotte, whatever it may be. But I feel like this is a this is a very good signing because we're getting a good, competent player at a position of absolute need. So yeah, <laughs> this dire is a need. good
1: signing. Yeah,
2: that, well there you go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, overall a good signing in my opinion.
1: I am pretty excited for this player. I do think that um, if I can convince my wonderful co-hosts to do a scouting pod with me sometime, uh, if you're if you're a listener to the Crowncast. Do me a favor just send us a whole bunch of messages that says you and do a scouting pod don't give up you and do it um, <laughs> jerson do a scouting pod uh everyone josh do a scouting pod and that way you know they'll feel like they they want to get into it as well uh this yeah. one might this one might deserve a scouting pod i'm, I'm pretty yeah. excited uh, another guy who i am really way more excited about than i potentially should be is uh chichiro odense and this is a six-foot-seven goalkeeper who has experience in the Premier League under-21s and has experience in the MLS. Uh, young man and has come into the crown legacy. And he is everything that you could tick a box about a goalkeeper for what I have been able to research in the very short time since I have known about this to recording, I am, I'm going to be diving into this guy next week because I'm excited that he's here. I think he looks like the type of player who where somebody sat down and said, we can get this guy now. And in a few years, he is going to be the guy. He's going to be a killer. And whether or not he goes on and develops to become that, we don't know. But I'd like the, the setup where we're getting this guy into legacy, where he's not going to immediately be thrown under under fire. He's not immediately getting into the top tier where he's going to have to stand up to the big crowds. He's going to have to stand up to the, the, the Lionel Messies now. Can't believe I'm saying that out loud. I, I think this guy has a real chance to come in to crown legacy and develop into a killer in the MLS. And I love seeing that. I love seeing the stuff going on at Crown Legacy, and they're really, really good. So that I think helps, uh, Jerson, Any any thoughts on this keeper coming in?
0: I think it's very exciting. Um, obviously, from many different podcasts that that you have done, that I've I've been in, and that we've heard, we we know that Kalina is a is he's a good option, but he's not a long term option, and to have. Um, a keeper that fit checks all the marks. Um and it's obviously he's not we're not he's not taking anything right now. He's we're developing him. I think that one, it it proves once again that our youth development is going above and beyond and trying to go the right direction in regards to who it is that we bring in. Um two that we feel confident in potential future, right? Um uh, and to have a goalie that is six six seven, correct? Is that what, is that what we said, or six eight? I believe yep. it's six seven. Well, yeah, that's NBA player um, status right there. You know, that's that's a good height. Um, yeah, I'm just excited to see the development and have maybe one of these friendly games that we occasionally have, where we can test out some of these young players, just how we did with Romero. So it's exciting. I think that I, I'm I'm hoping that. I can catch a couple of the legacy games to see how he develops um, and to see all of our players develop, honestly. Uh, Cause at the end of the day, they're our future. So what better way to support?
1: Yep. Uh, there's a, there's a lot of talent on that crown legacy roster. And I think it shows in the fact that they're going out and they're winning games. Uh, you mm-hmm. and any, any final thoughts on crown legacy.
2: Um. Yeah, I mean, obviously they're an impressive side, <laughs> and um, yeah, if you, if anyone is able to, uh, to 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 tune into those guys, and yeah, whether that be um, just kind of watching streams or whether it be going down there and uh, checking checking them out in person, uh, yeah, it's really worth it because the the future of Charlotte FC, a lot of those players will go on to play for the first team. A lot of the players that you will see already do play for the first team. Patrick Gajimani is someone who will. Uh, regularly come out for that team and players who are you know a little bit younger, maybe not getting minutes to the first team. They will also go there. There aren't many teams in MLS who use the MLS uh, secondary side of Crown Legacy in the same way that Charlotte FC do with their uh, with their affiliate side. Uh, and then with uh, with uh, with Adunze, I just say a couple of things. Um, he has capped the United States under twenties, so there is some uh, yeah some good pedigree there in terms of uh, the experience that he get from that for being picked for that side. Um, he was captain twenty twenty when he would have been way under the under twenty limit of, of what you can be to play for that team. So yeah, very impressive for mm-hmm. him. And also the other thing, he did come from Leicester City, and that comes with uh, playing in the uh, in, in the Premier League uh, reserve leagues for them, which is you know obviously that's a good standard as well. But also that may that might throw people off a little bit that he is actually from Raleigh, North Carolina. So yep. That's a little cool thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Homegrown player, which is uh, always fun for the fans. So yeah. Exciting signing overall.
1: Another local boy. And we are going to go ahead and wrap it up on that very positive note. Uh, so really quickly, Ewan, thank you. No, no, thank you. Always a pleasure. Derson, thank you, sir. HHSR. And if you have decided to take your time and uh, spend it with us today, we love you. Thank you so much. If you want to find us on Instagram, you can find us at the underscore crown underscore cast. If you want to find us on Twitter, you can find us at the underscore crown cast. And that's it, baby. I'm taking it home. Uh, we will talk to you again next Wednesday. Or if we get a little feisty and decide that we want to do a scouting pod, goodbye.
0: com.